Hey, we are wrapping up this series called Playlist today, and I'm super excited about, about the message that uh, has kind of been the, 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 the final message in this series that's really kind of everything's been leading up to, everything's been pointing to, but before I dive into that, next weekend is our Until Jesus Runs This Town offering where we get to come before God and bring him a sacrificial gift that we've been praying about to, to advance the, the mission, to advance God's kingdom in our city. And it is my favorite weekend. I know you're like, yeah, I know it is. <laughs> but let me just throw this out here. My, I would rather a first-time guest come next weekend then I, would, then I would have them come on Christmas. Then I would have them to come on Easter. And here's why. Because you're gonna hear about all the ways. You're gonna see a video. We're gonna share all the different ways God has moved in this church. And you're gonna witness as people who have been praying, asking God in faith what he'd have them bring. You're gonna watch them come up and give God their, their sacrificial gift that they've been looking forward to, maybe with tears in their eyes and joy on their faces as they bring back to God what he's laid on their heart. So I'm excited for next week as we give in joy. Are you excited for that? Come on. It's really going to be an incredible time for us to see how God has been faithful in the past and how he's going to be faithful in the future. And so I'm looking forward to that. I would encourage you to continue to pray and ask God what he would have you do. That's, that's all we've ever asked you to do. Just ask God and then do exactly what what he tells you to do. And next weekend, I promise you, is going to be an unforgettable kind of weekend. Now today, uh, we're wrapping up this series. For those of you that are first time guests here and you're like, what's this playlist thing about? Well, it's about uh, something that Jesus actually did. Jesus was the most creative teacher on the planet. And oftentimes he would take uh, these stories that he would tell that had relevance in his culture and he would pull truths out of them, these spiritual truths truths out of them in order to speak to people and meet people right where they were. That's kind of what we're doing with these songs. These songs are kind of the, the, the stories, you know, these, these, these stories that are, are, are sung that are popular in our culture with the hopes that we can point you to some spiritual truths, pull some truths out of them so next time you turn on your radio, next time you, you know, tune into to Star 104 or whatever it is that you listen to, right, that you'll hear this song and it will bring you back, that it will draw your mind back and you'll remember maybe something that God spoke to you in one of these moments. And so today, um, today's message is really dedicated to those of you in this room who, has ever, who have ever felt like giving up, who have ever felt like kind of quitting, kind of, kind of checking out, kind of cashing it in, you know, throwing in the towel. If you've ever felt that way in your life, this message is for you. Because here's what I know, the, the greatest gr breakthroughs in life often happen on the other side of not giving up. How many of you have seen that in your own life? That you experience breakthroughs, you experience these blessings in your life because you refused to give up. You refused to kind of back down that these blessings uh, happened after a season of brokenness where you decided, you know what, I'm gonna press on. How many of you have experienced that in your own life? Come on, raise your hand. Yeah, you, you can speak firsthand to the fact that, man, if you push through, if you press on, if you lean into it, then you can experience that, that breakthrough. I know for Kristen and I moving out to, to Erie, Pennsylvania to, to help plant a church 
originally, that was, we kind of had one of those moments because it all started to unravel and all started to, to fall apart. And I came out here just to lead worship, actually, to start about, you know, over 10 years ago just to kind of be a worship pastor because I have a voice like an angel. I don't know if you realize that or not. It's beautiful. No, I'm just kidding. But we came out here to do that and it started to unravel the place where we were staying in at the time. Um, you know, we had kind of, there was a, there was a short, you know, um, time that we could stay there, a limited amount of time. So we moved back to Toledo and we started commuting. I started commuting from Toledo to Erie, like three and a half hours. I would sleep in my office on an air mattress that had a slow leak. And air mattresses are already terrible, right? But if you factor in a slow leak into that sucker, and then by the morning, you are on the ground. I mean, that's, that's kind of how we lived. And it was this moment, I'm like, man, what is all this about? Like, God, we feel like we're following you. We feel like we're, we're doing what you've called us to do. But we're experiencing these, like, this, 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 this brokenness. We're experiencing, you know, these trials in this, this movement. And I talked to one of my, um, actually, he was my, mentor, senior pastor at Cedar Creek Church in Toledo at the time, and he said, are you really gonna allow the enemy to talk you out of what God has called you to do? And I wanna say that to somebody in this room today because somebody's been thinking about quitting. You've been thinking about backing down. I don't know what it's on. I don't know what, what the circumstance is, but are you really going to allow the enemy to talk you out of what God has called you into? what God has created you to do because we have a spiritual enemy that wants to do that, by the way. The Bible tells us that that our fight is not against flesh and blood, it's against the powers and the principalities of this dark world, that there is an enemy of darkness who wants to do nothing but to destroy God's kingdom of light. And the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy you from reaching your full potential in Christ. And so he'll speak to you, he'll try to talk you out of Keeping on. He'll try to talk you out of pressing through. He'll try to talk you out of, you know, hanging in there to keep you from your ultimate purpose. So are you allowing the enemy to talk you out of what God has called you into? Because I want you to remember the greatest breakthroughs are on the other side of not giving up. In fact, this is why I'd love for you to write down if you wanna take notes. I heard that um, you are 3% more likely to go to heaven if you take notes in church. So that's, that increases your odds uh, tremendously. Your enemy will give you a million reasons to give up. Some of you know that's true. Some of you are considering bailing on maybe a marriage. You're considering bailing on, on a job. Maybe it's on the church. Maybe it's on God. Maybe you're in a place where you're considering uh, bailing on on school or or something that God's laid in your heart that you're not seeing come to fruition yet. You're like, man, I'm I'm done. This isn't going anywhere. Your enemy will give you a million reasons to give up, but here's the good news. You only need one good reason to hang on. You only need one good reason to stay in there to hold on. Our song for today is by the famous Lady Gaga, Lady Gaga, if you're fans, and she wrote a song called A Million Reasons, and I've asked Mary uh, McCutcheon to sing this song. Um, One of the reasons when you hear her sing it, you'll know why. She has an incredible vocal, but beyond that, this is a song that kind of reflects the story of her life. Take a look. I was five years old when my dad was diagnosed with Legionnaire's disease, and um, 
he was a great guy. He was a town hero. He instilled the love of music in me because he had, you know, he did the, the community theater and the color guard and all of that. Um, for the following two years, he pretty much deteriorated um, from being a very large, you know, full of life man to basically a skeleton that couldn't do anything for himself. And I watched that for two years until he died when I was seven. So I had a lot of pain stuck inside and didn't know what to do with it. So uh, when I got a little bit older and I was in high school, I was introduced to drugs and alcohol. It really kicked off in college, trying to shove that pain down deep with the drugs and the alcohol. And uh, finally it got me to a point where I was becoming very violent uh, towards my mother, uh, towards friends, everything. I was just being very introverted um, in a way where I wouldn't talk about anything and then all of a sudden it would just all explode all over the place. And when I was 19 years old, I found out I was pregnant. When I had Eliza, um, I never thought that one human being could bring so much joy into my life. I never thought I could love something so much. But at the same time, it didn't stop me. I was okay for about three weeks, and then I fell back into the same routine. And all of a sudden, this person that I loved more than anything in the whole wide world became secondary to drugs. And to say that disgusts me, but that's how it was. So finally, about uh, a year and a half to two years later, I decided that um, I needed to do something about it. So for six months, Eliza and I together lived in a rehab in Ashland, PA. There were 31 women and 18 children all living together. So for six months we lived there. When I finally got out of there, that's when I had one of the most loud, clear messages from God that I think I can ever honestly say I've had which was I had the choice to stay there in that town and go to the halfway house or move six hours away to Erie, Pennsylvania. God was basically saying to me, you know what, I've got you. You're going to be okay. Just trust me. And I did. We slowly started working on getting me a job and slowly started building things up. And, and God was blessing me left and right because I trusted and because I was patient with my journey. I moved out after saving up for a year and a half of living at that transitional living center. And for the first time ever, I moved into my own place. And it's a wonderful place. It's not just this little rinky-dinky, tiny little room that we lived in at the Mercy Center. We lived in one room. Um, all of our stuff had to be in there. Now my daughter's room alone is twice the size of the room we used to live in together. I, I always say God was always there. I just kind of had my back turned for a little while. And I was being very selfish with my life. And there's no way I would have been able to do it without trusting and believing and hoping. There are so many times I could have said this is hopeless. I'm just given up. I believe that there is no such thing as a hopeless situation. I believe the person makes the choice to lose hope or not. 
I don't think that I could have done half the things that I've done in my life without believing that God was there for me, that God has hope. God believes in us when we don't, and he can take the darkest situation and turn it into something beautiful. I think the most amazing part of Mary's story is that time and time again, the enemy tried to corrupt, tried to attack, probably even still does on many levels. It's kind of not a, a one and done. And there were times where instead of Mary like doing the right thing, she, she turned to drugs, turned to alcohol, even spent some time in prison. And because of what God has done in her heart, now she has uh, an incredible man of God, Nate, as a husband. They also added a new little baby, baby Henry, to the, the mix, this awesome little guy. But time and time again, when, when Mary had a million reasons to turn and run, a million reasons to kind of quit, to kind of give up, she only needed one reason to hang in there, one reason to stay, and that reason's name is Jesus. And I'm praying that for some of you today that feel far from God, that, that you haven't surrendered your life to follow him, that this would be the day that you understand that, that there were a million reasons to quit, but there's only one good reason to stay. And for those of you that wanna give up, for those of you that, that wanna walk away, for those of you um, that, that have heard the voice of the enemy telling you that you should, should quit, let me show you the words of Jesus. At a time in his life, when he pressed on, when he, he could have given up, when it would have been much easier to give up, but he hung in there and remained. John told it this way in John chapter 12, starting in verse 23. This is, this is Jesus before being crucified. He says, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. What does that mean? That means now's the time that I'm going to give my life for the sins of the world. Verse 27, Jesus said, my soul is deeply troubled. And this wasn't just a, 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 an emotional pain, just a physical pain. This is the, the deepest kind of anguish that you could possibly experience because Jesus knew what was coming. He knew the torture. He knew the suffering. He knew what he was, was facing uh, in this, this moment. And so Jesus asked this very honest question, should I pray Father, save me from this hour. In other words, God, I don't know if I wanna do this. I don't know if I can do this. Like, I know why I'm here. I know why I came. But the human side of me, the fleshly side of me, knows what's about to happen. So in a very honest moment, he prays, you know, should I pray? Is there, is there another way, another place in the gospel? He says, may this cup of suffering be taken from me, but yet not my will, but your will be done. Jesus said, should I pray? Should I go another way? Because he knew, again, what was coming. The physical pain. And not even just the physical pain, but the emotional pain of, of being betrayed, right? By one of his disciples, Judas, who would betray him with a kiss. I don't know if you've ever been hurt or betrayed by a close friend, 
But it's this emotional rejection that that takes a toll on who you are, not just Judas even. The the disciples, many of them wouldn't even show up at the crucifixion. Many of them would just scatter. And then Peter, right? Peter, the guy who said, whoever, you know, whatever comes for you, I'm there. Like, it doesn't matter, Jesus, I'm with you to the very end. Then what happens that night as Jesus is taken away, a little girl shows up and asks Peter, hey, aren't you with him? And he's like, no, not me. I don't even know the guy. So he knew that he would be rejected by his own. So this emotional kind of rejection, he knew that was coming. He also knew the pain was coming, that Jesus would be led out, had a mock trial. People would would beat him repeatedly over and over with their fists and their signet rings on on his face, bloodying his face, so you probably couldn't even tell he was human anymore. He knew that that was coming. He knew that he, knew that he would be whipped, be, be uh, um, exposed, taking all his clothes off and whipped with, with a, a whip that had bone and metal and glass. And every time it would hit you, it would embed into your skin and flesh would be peeled from your skin. Most of the people, a lot of the people, didn't even uh, survive the beating. And he knew that was coming. He knew he would be taken to a hillside, laid on a cross, stretched out with nails like driven through his wrists, driven through his ankles. He knew what was coming. So in this moment in the garden, he's like, should I pray? Is there another way? Should I ask God if if there's any other way to do this? Because he knew. And perhaps even the worst part of all, not that people would mock him and spit on him, not that he would be shamefully exposed on a cross, having to, having to press up with the nails that are in his ankles so he could take a breath. That's probably not the worst part of all. The worst part of all is when he became sin. And in that moment, he became sin. He, he utters the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he'd never known loneliness like that before. God the Father had never been removed from him that, like that before. Jesus knew all this was coming. But he decided, he chose to stay. And the next verse is so powerful because there were a million different reasons that he could walk away, but he only needed one good reason to stay. He said, my soul is deeply troubled. Father, should I pray? Save me from this hour. Then he said, but this is the very reason why I came. This is why I'm here. I'm here to, to press on. I'm here to push through. I, I know my, my calling. I'm not gonna let the enemy talk me out of what God has called me into. This is why I'm here. And when he had a million different reasons, right, to give up, he hung on. He hung on to the cross. Why? What was the reason Jesus came? He didn't come for the righteous people. He came for the sinners, He came for you, he came for me. He didn't come for those who had it all together. He didn't come for the healthy, the Bible tells us. He came for the sick, those who were hurting. He didn't come for the religious elite. He came for uh, the captives to set them free. And if you've ever felt ashamed in your life, he came for you. If you ever felt um, 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 disgusted by the sin patterns in your life, he came for you. If you ever felt lonely, if you ever felt unloved, right, unworthy, Jesus came For you, the reason he remained on the cross, when everything human in him in that moment wanted to walk away, Father, should I pray? Take me from this. But because he just needed one good reason to stay, he remained. It's amazing, don't you think, what you can endure when you have a good reason to. How many CrossFitters we got in the room today? Any CrossFitters? 
Crazy CrossFitters, raise your hand. You can be delivered in Jesus' name today, set free from CrossFit. <laughs> CrossFitters are nuts. You guys are crazy. You wake up at 5 a.m., crack open, you know, a half a dozen eggs, suck them down raw because you saw Rocky do it or something like that. And you're like, man, this is, this is it. You get up, you start flipping tires, you know, early in the morning. You do exercises like box jumps and, and wall balls and, and burpees. Oh, my, burpees, right? I have a theory that hell is a place where you do burpees all day long. I think that's what hell is. There's a million reasons I don't do CrossFit. They're all called burpees, every single one of them. Burpee, burpee, burpee. But why do they do that? Why do you do that? Because of what's on the other side. You endure that because you know what's coming. This may be living a healthy life and a bad back at 42, just saying. Or you know, you just know what's, what's going to be the result if you push through. Why do people get all hyper-focused on, on their finances and saving? And just budgeting and go all Dave, Dave Ramsey, you know, I'm gonna live like no one else so I can live like no one else. Why do, why do they do that? Eat ramen noodles for weeks, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because of what's on the other side. A vision for a debt-free life. A vision to be free from the bondage of finances. Why, why do people go through chemo? I have a friend going through chemo right now. Nobody wants to go through that. The treatments, you know, and the, the toll that takes on your body. But you do it because there's a vision for a cancer-free life. Or you ladies, why, why, why does anybody wanna go through giving birth to a child? My wife, she did it four times. We have four boys. Some of you are like, man, you must really like kids. My wife can't keep her hands off of me. That's really the problem. <laughs> I tell her all the time, I just wanna cuddle. If you don't mind, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But why do you push through that? Why do you persevere? Because once you hold, sorry, baby, that little blessing in your arms, right, everything changes. It doesn't matter the pain. It doesn't matter the suffering. It doesn't matter what you went through once you got to that, that moment. It's amazing what you can endure when you have a reason to endure it. Jesus had a reason Jesus had a reason to remain. Jesus had a reason to stay on the cross and endure what he did. I don't know what it's gonna be for, for some of you today, or I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but there's something that maybe you wanna quit on. Maybe it's a marriage that's on the rocks, and you constantly just point the finger and, and, and play the blame game. Who's doing what? Maybe you just need one good reason to remain. One good reason to, to stay in it. Maybe you have a vision for your life, something you know God's called you to do, something that he's wanted to, to birth inside of you, something that he's wanted you to create, but you're up against opposition right now. And it's almost like you take two steps forward, right, and then 100 steps back, but you just need one good reason to hang in there, to, to stay. And maybe it's spiritually. You, you feel like I should be a lot further along with God by now. You know, I feel like I've been praying and I asked God to show up in this area of my life and he hasn't done it yet. God, where are you? Or I feel like I should be beyond the spiritual or, or the sin pattern that I'm experiencing. And all you need is one good reason to stay the course. We all know the enemy will give you a million reasons to quit when all we need is one good reason to hang on. So what was it that kept Jesus hanging on? What was it that kept Jesus Staying the course, hanging on to the cross, the author of Hebrews tells us exactly what it was. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, for the joy, 
What do you mean joy? What is that, that about? For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. For the joy? What was, what was the joy, the, the reason that Jesus would endure that pain, that suffering, the reason that he would pray, you know, in the garden, should I ask God to remove this if there's any other way? He said, for the joy set before me, he endured the cross, scorning at shame. I thought about that phrase this morning, scorning at shame. What does that even mean? What does that, that look like? The cross was one of the most shameful kinds of execution. You would lay there exposed, naked, you know, experiencing that, that kind of death. He said that's the shame, but not just the shame that he would experience, the shame that you and I experience in our lives. He's scorning the shame because of the sin that we have, the, the shame from our, our bad decisions, the shame from the mistakes that we made, saying, I'm not, I don't want you to live that way. I don't want you to live with that shame. So scorning at shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Your enemy will give you a million reasons to walk away. You just need one good reason to stay. I want you to look at these lyrics again. I want to read them to you. It says, I bow down to pray. I try to make the worst seem better. I wonder how many times you've done that in your life. Had those moments where you couldn't break through, those moments of, of brokenness, and you couldn't see that there was going to be a way out trying to make the worst seem better. Lord, show me the way to cut through all this worn out leather. I've got a hundred million reasons to walk away. I just need one good one to stay. Jesus needed one good reason to press through the pain. He needed one good reason to stay. You know what that reason was? Hebrews tells us it was for the joy set before him. What was the joy of Jesus? It was you and it was me. We are that joy. He didn't want to do heaven without us. He wanted us to be there. He wanted a relationship. He didn't want us to carry the, the shame that we would because the, the, the sin nature that we have creates in our life. And he knew that it would be joy for him to set us free from that. We are the joy of Jesus. In other words, you matter. In fact, you matter so much, Jesus would talk about how much you matter, saying, hey, if a shepherd had 100 sheep and one of them leaves, one of them gets lost, I'm leaving 99 to go after the one. That Jesus would do anything to pursue the one. The one reason that he came is you and is me. We are the joy for the reason that he endured the cross. You are the one good reason to stay. And whenever mankind was at its worst, in the moments of mocking Jesus, hating him, spitting on him, shouting crucify, Jesus was at his best. Because Jesus endured it for the joy set before him. He looked up at, at God the Father and he said, you know, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing in this moment. He looked up at God the Father when he had a million different reasons to walk away. In fact, Jesus probably could have taken a number of different ways. He could have called down legions of angels, right, to set him free from that moment, yet he stayed on the cross and finished his calling. Looked up into heaven, uttered his last words, to tell us die, it is finished. And with that, his last breath went from him, and on Friday evening, Jesus died. Friday evening, Everyone freaks out. 
Friday evening, the one they thought that was Messiah that was gonna come rescue them and save them, the one that they put their hope in, dies. But how many of you know, in just a couple days, everything can change? I wanna tell somebody in this room, no matter what you're facing, so much can change in just a couple days. Your perspective, your circumstance, because on Friday, Jesus was dead, but on Sunday, come on, somebody, he came back to life. And ladies showed up at the tomb. They said, he's not here. The stone had been rolled away. He is risen, and now sin is defeated. Death is defeated. The grave is defeated. The enemy is defeated, trampled on under his feet. So now the enemy doesn't have the last word in your life. Jesus has the last word in your life. And without the, the death that he experienced, there could be no resurrection. And so for some of us, these things that we are, are facing that we feel like, man, I have a million different reasons to quit, a million different reasons to, to, to knock it out, to get out of here. I just need one reason to stay. I think that uh, this is a great reminder for us. We're heading into the Christmas season, and it's all about the birth of Jesus, but let's not forget about why he came. Yeah, he was born of a, a virgin, but let's not forget that he, he lived 33 years on this earth, living a perfect, sinless life, but ex experiencing everything that you would. Experiencing the fear, experiencing the doubt, experiencing the pain, experiencing the suffering, going through that, maybe even to another level. When he was tortured on the cross, he experienced all that we had, and he had a million different reasons to walk away from his ultimate purpose, but he held on to the cross so we can hold firmly on to him. When I ask you, are you doing that? Because you've already been given victory in Jesus Christ and because he hung on for the suffering, the joy that was set before him because he did it for me, he's done it for Mary, he's done it for, for many of you in this room, then I refuse to quit on the God who remained on the cross for me. I'm asking you, don't quit. Just don't quit on the God who never quit on you. Jesus hung on to the cross because he knew it would take a death in order for there to be a resurrection. He hung on to the cross because he knew it would take brokenness to lead to this season of breakthrough in your life. He hung on the cross because he would knew it takes suffering in order for there to be this, this story to tell. He hung on the cross because he knew that the greatest uh, blessings often happen on the other side of the greatest trials that you're facing. I want to I read that verse one more time. I'm going to have um, the band come back out. But look at Hebrews 12, 2 and 3. One more time it says, For the joy set before him. The joy is you. For you, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. In other words, I don't want you to experience that shame. I don't want the sin to cause you to, to live with shame, live with, with guilt. He endured the cross so that he could sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. And consider this, Jesus who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Some of you are losing heart. Let's call it what it is. Some of you are looking to check out, looking to bail on a marriage, on, on whatever it is. But I think today God's word to you is to remain, is to press through. That breakthrough will come. It, it doesn't always come easy, 
Most of the time it comes after this brokenness that happens in your life. Some of those greatest blessings are on the other side of the biggest pain, of the biggest trials that you would face. And some of you might be in the middle of that right now. So let's do this. Would you bow your head, close your eyes. Everyone in this room. I need to talk to two different sets of people. The first is tonight. Those of you that are up against um, a circumstance that you don't see a way around. The first are, are those of you that are looking to bail and specifically it's on a marriage. So you don't quit. Don't give up on the God who didn't give up on you. It's not easy. Maybe there's a lot of blame. There's a lot of finger pointing going on. Hey, own your part. Seek God first. Have him change your heart. And press on. Jesus pressed on. Jesus endured the cross so that you can have life. And life to the full. He doesn't want you to stay stuck. For those of you that are looking to quit on God. For those of you that are looking to quit on on. on on your faith because you've asked God to, to show up and he hasn't yet. Can I encourage you to remain? Can I encourage you to press on? Can I encourage you to endure? Trusting that God's gonna come through because a lot can change in a little bit of time. To seek God first. And I wanna talk to those of you today you're living with your shame. You're living with your, your guilt because you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Jesus endured the cross for you. You were the one good reason that he remained. When he asked God, or should I pray, God, is there another way? Uh, God, take this cup from me, but not my will. Your will be done. He did that for you. Even if you were lost, even if you were one of those sheep that went astray, God would leave all those that are found to find you. And today maybe is that moment where he's, he's found you and he's searching for you and he's drawing you to this place to hear how much he loves you so much that he, he sent his son to die for you. And the Bible says the moment we confess Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that on Sunday, Easter morning, everything changed, that God raised him from the dead, conquering the sin in your life, that it's done, it's finished. The only step for you now is to put your trust in Jesus. Maybe that's why you're here, to surrender your life to him. Maybe you did that a long, long time ago and you've, you've fallen way back from that. But today God is encouraging you once again, stirring up that faith inside of your heart. So if you're far from God or if you, if you just wanna come back to God and commit your life to Jesus and trust that his death on the cross covers you, I wanna invite you to pray a prayer. If you'd say, Colby, I'm praying that right along with you today. This is why I'm here. This is exactly what I need. Jesus hung on the cross for me, so now I'm gonna cling to him. Would you shoot your hand up? Just hold it up high. I wanna see who I'm praying with. But more than that, this is a step for you to just boldly to God say, God, here I am. Here I am. Awesome, awesome. Praise God for you. Praise God for you. You can put your hands down. Say something like this. Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for forgiving my sin. Thank you for covering it all. Thank you for enduring the cross for me. All that you experienced, God, 
Thank you that I'm the one good reason that you hung on. Thank you, God, that I am your joy. And now you are even more joyful because I'm saying yes to following you. Jesus, I confess you as Lord, and I confess you as Savior of my life. And from this moment on, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to follow you with everything I have. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus into your life and accept him as Lord and Savior, we would love to know about it. You can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash yes, and there will be some practical next steps for you to take along this journey. If you want to commit to fueling the mission and vision of this church to see people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, you can go online to elevatechurch.com forward slash give.